When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers. Fresh for everyone. And check this out. Bruce Kulig's water. Wow. I'm telling you, I'm impressed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulig, and you're listening to Cobras and Fire Rock Podcast. Rock's not dead. It's hiding. And you found it right here. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My, welcome back to Cobras and Fire. My yep. guest, uh, Bruce Kulik. Is it Kulik? Yeah, how, as long as you know me, I'm okay either way. What's proper? <laughs> Come on. No, you know, my parents always said it as, as Kulik. But that was confusing for some people because they think it may start with the letter Q. You know, Q, yeah. okay. like the one before you. Um, but <laughs> it, there's a K. And then, you know, you see famous director like Stanley Kubrick. And that's K, you know. Uh, yeah. So, and John Karabi was infamous for always introducing me as Bruce Kulix, like like floral yeah. because it's cool licks on the guitar. Oh, and then, that's good. And then I developed, of course, my main kind of, even for the fans, I've had it for a very long time. My first internet AOL address was Bruce Cool, <laughs> K-O-O-L, you know, cool. So, I don't know, you know, I, right? Don't you, how do you like to say it? I'm like, this is my wife. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. Yeah. You see? You see? So, you know. But as long as you know who I am, that's what still blows my mind, really, that people know me. So yeah, this is a, yeah, I'm, you're the first person from Kiss I've ever talked to. So okay, uh, if I start shaking or getting oh, nervous, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you'll uh, be fine. Okay, I'll, I'll keep you relaxed. All right, appreciate that. Um, well, one of the questions I've always wanted to ask you is: Do you ever worry that one day you're going to walk off stage to see Ace Frehley and Mark Farner waiting for you? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I mean, and I get, I get the point of the. Yeah. the Question, like a headstock busted yeah. off a Les Paul. Well, and yeah. <laughs> well, you know, both of them I, I, I have met, and, 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 and in, in a sense, I've worked with both of them. Yeah. You know? um, Mark was, uh, who, of course, I, I kind of, I mean, I wouldn't exactly say I took his grand funk gig because he was also sure. the, 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 the main lead singer, even though Don Brewer sings many of the grand funk hits as well. But I did some work with him at the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And the first one, because he was involved with uh, this guy, David Fischoff, the promoter of that. And, and he actually, he managed Grand Funk for that Bosnia live record and during the end of the last years that the original Grand Funk was together, 97, mm-hmm. 98. So when I got invited to do the camp uh, in 2005, I guess it was, I remember the call from David was very stressful for me uh, because he was 
very much close with Mark Farner, okay, and, and not very close anymore with Don Brewer. And he knew I was in Grand Funk, and he saw that as like, like, like I have, you know, like I'm, I'm a Mark Farner backstabber. He said to me, <laughs> of which my reaction was pretty clever. I said like, ouch, oh, let me t- take the knife out of my back. Hold on a second. Yeah. You know, I said, and I was very clear with David that if you're going to hire me for your camp, uh, you're hiring me because I was the lead guitarist of Kiss for 12 years. Sure. Not because that my current gig is Grand Funk Railroad. Not that I don't, you know, it's not as if I don't take Grand Funk seriously or don't do a terrific job. And by the way, now it's been 17 years. Yeah. Grand Funk. But uh, I thought it was odd that he said it. So he said, I got to make sure it's okay with Mark. And I said, please do. I'm a big fan of his. Sure. You know, and then when the camp came around that Mark was against that also, well, I actually had a talk to him because I could tell he was kind of acting very not cool with me, you know? Yeah. So I, I introduced myself and I told him that uh, I was a fan and that my brother actually recorded on his record because of Dick Wagner, who was the famous guitar player who we lost a few years back. He used to play with Alice Cooper and yeah, even did absolutely work with, uh, with, with, you know, Ezra Newham and he worked with Kiss even. Okay. But Dick Wagner is a tremendous guitar player of the Lou Reed album. And, and Dick Wagner produced Mark's record and knew my brother because they uh, worked together when uh, Steve Hunter, the other guitarist of that duo for the, uh, you know, the Alice Cooper and, um, and also for uh, that Lou Reed album, the live record, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of what Bob and I like to do, you know, when we work together, you know, dueling lead guitars, you know. So um, Steve Hunter couldn't be involved with an Alice Cooper tour and invited my brother to do the Australian leg of Alice Cooper. Now, this is back in the, God, I guess, boy, it was definitely before my kiss year. So it was either late 70s or early 80s, okay? So he asked my, bro- uh, Mar- my brother to, pr- to be the other guitar player for Mark Farner because he was going to use some oh, session-type wow. people. And Mark Farner gave my brother a gift which for a couple of New York Jewish guys was kind of weird, mm-hmm. but actually, you know, in the big picture, a very cool gift, an antique gun, handgun. Now, oh. It wasn't really functional. At least it wasn't like, here, you need to register this. You know what I mean? Okay. I gave him a gun. Yeah. Okay. Now, <laughs> Mark being a, you know, definite Michigan, people from Michigan, yeah. a gun, you're born with a gun, you know, yeah. oh, we got a baby. Here's your gun. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. part of the, the, the state and, and the way people live here, hunting. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about the First Amendment. It's all about, you know, Absolutely. the Second Amendment. Second Amendment. Second Amendment. Second Amendment. Thank you. First Amendment is freedom of speech. <laughs> anyway, which I'm I like definitely that one doing better. plenty of that. <laughs> yeah. But you get what I mean. So he, when, when I told him that I remembered it and that we thought it was the coolest thing, even though, you know, we're a bunch of New Yorkers, you know, he, just, up a little he bit. just lit up, you know. And then when I told him, I said, hey, I'm here for you. I'm a fan of your, of, of your music and, and your band. And, you know, it's just a gig for me, you know, and anything, if you need someone that knows the songs, if you're going to perform, please, you know. So, yeah, it was like that. All right. And then my bonding with Ace was pretty easy. I never really met him. Um, uh, I don't remember really meeting him, meeting him or spending any time with him prior to Unplugged. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Unplugged, knowing that we're going to perform on a very high-profile thing, you know, yeah. on TV Unplugged, and that they were going to bring him out to, of course, just perform, you know, Peter and Ace would just perform with Paul and Gene, but, but that, that we all perform together. I realized, all right, you know, I got to look at this as like, let's make this great. And I remember at the time I was working with a company called Tech 21 or Sansand, and they used to make these, they were really early in the game of little devices that could sound like a real amp, 
but it isn't. It was like I know, yeah, and I'm familiar yeah. with the piece. And 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 also they made a version for the bass that was also like a VI box. So knowing that we had to play true acoustic guitars and that would mean a VI box. You were the first guitar player I ever saw endorse the Sonic Maximizer. Box. Yeah, and that that was a company that I liked what it did, even though I don't think BBE, which is the name of the company, mm -hmm. went on to any great heights, even though they probably still exist. But they were doing some interesting things then. Yeah, but sorry, Tech Twenty One, yeah. I did have their little, you know, like pedal, which is called a classic now, which they still sell. Actually, they reintroduced it, and that thing was incredible. But they had a version of the bass driver. It's before they even made an acoustic device. But the reason why I shared it with Ace and we started to talk a lot. And of course, I talked to him about the Epiphone he was going to mm -hmm. use and everything. At the time, he was doing some Epiphone models. <clears throat> that was maybe before his big years with Gibson, because of course, subsequently, oh yeah, a lot, a lot of things with the custom shows. We, um, you know, if you're going to take the solo in a song, typically uh, a guitar player live, and you said you're a player, you know, you usually step on a, you know, an overdrive or a boost yeah, pedal, yeah. something that's going to bring you above and bring up the sound yep. because your rhythm sound Cut is the different level from your lead sound. You don't usually keep the guitar at five. All right, here's my solo. I turn it up to 10 because the guitar on five on the volume doesn't sound the same. Right. It doesn't sound right. So I told him, look, um, they're giving us these pedals. They're DI boxes, but here you go with a boost. So when you do your solo, step on it. <laughs> and he dug it. He got it right away. And I remember I just found the picture recently when I was going through photos for the website. That Sansam took a picture even back then, and it had from one of the tech guys, you know, a piece of tape on it. Paul, Gene, Ace, yeah. Bruce, you know, because we all were equipped with them. Uh, it's funny, the company was so tight back then. It was like, we need them back. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had to give him back. I did. So anyway, um, Ace and I got along then. And more recently, uh, my biggest memory, even though I, I did go to see him when he introduced one of the records at the Grammys in LA, I got uh, tickets to go see him. And we got to take a great photo of the fans. Love. But there was a cruise. This is pre-Kiss Cruise. Mm -hmm. The first cruise that Grand Funk ever did, and hopefully we'll do more, um, was a Legends cruise, and Ace was one of the acts. So on, on that cruise was Peter Frampton, America, Greg Allman. You know, so it's one of those. It's not just one band. You know, mm -hmm. like the way the Kiss thing is. Of course, they have featured guests and stuff. But um, Ace did a set, and we got to see that. And he got to see me with Grand Funk, and I'll never forget. It was so funny. We really enjoyed the Ace set, of course, because yeah. we got to see him without. You know, it was like in the, there's a few different venues on that boat, and this was like the they turned it into a club. It was like the Ice Ice Rink, right? So we got to watch from the side and I filmed some stuff. It was really cool for me because I was like, oh, that's how we play Deuce. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, so I learned something. But after the show, um, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I knew some of the guys in the band. And when he saw Grand Funk, he was like, the lead guitar should be louder. And now, granted, <laughs> Ace was the loudest thing sure. in his thing. Yeah. I mean, he did well, I've seen him play. Yeah, yeah. So you know. Yeah. I can't do that with Grand Funk. Grand Funk's a loud band for what we do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but... I know the sound guy brings me up when it's my solo, but I'm not going to be the loudest thing all the time. Sure. Like cases. Yeah. So, and again, healthy relationships with the guys. Uh, and the funnier question would have been, how was it touring with Mark St. John? Oh. Because we actually went together. That's right, actually. Well, what was that like? Very odd, but yeah. I, I was in a great place uh, mentally. You, that, you played a little bit on Animalize, right? A little bit. And I wasn't aware that he may have been having a health problem until they called me and said, we'd like you to fill in for Mark. Now, it may only be two weeks and he'll join us in Europe. That didn't happen. I did yeah, the whole six yeah. weeks. But he'll, if he's well enough, he'll join us in America and then we'll see what happens. 
You know, that was kind of the scenario. Not laid out necessarily in the beginning like that, but that's that's what happened. So once Mark was well, he came out on the road. Uh, what's the ice uh, hockey reference? The uh, penalty box. Oh, the no. Nancy Kerrigan and right and Tanya. Party. There's a new movie about. Tanya. Oh, I Tanya. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my joke back then was we used to actually we got along fine. I I actually respected him as a player. I didn't think he was right for Kiss. Yeah. Because he was actually too progressive, kind of too fusion jazzy mm-hmm. for Kiss. But I I liked that kind of playing, so yeah. I, I admired him. But we used to warm up backstage and jam backstage. Okay, and my attitude was. Look, I don't have a choice in this. All I could do is the best I can do. Yeah. And obviously, if he's fighting for the gig, he's got he's to do better than me. This is like the last game of the World Series, seventh game, and, and you're not in your home you know, right. city. Okay? And what are you going to do? You know what I mean? And, and, and it's not that he played bad, but I know he, he, he kind of tried to perform maybe a, above what Gene and Paul expect. Okay. Sure. He was literally lifting his guitar over his head and spinning around and doing some things that I could see in time would have maybe worked for him as, as the guitarist of Kiss, but I think it really kind of didn't make them comfortable, Gene and Paul. Okay. And then his tone, he chose a head that he wanted to use where I was using one of the Kiss Marshall heads that was modified that yeah. you know, I know they liked. Right. You know? So uh, they sent them home after he finally, you know, kind of, it was really weird. It, it was very little information out there. So I'm going with what I remember. I was there, uh, but there's very few of the people that are collaborating it. Okay, that um, they let him try not immediately, you know, but they let him try the first half of the show, and then I did the second half of the show. That's pretty weird. Yeah, that's really weird. I mean, that's like a Broadway play, and they're like, all right, that's, acts two and three have the other person, you know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And then they let him try the second half of the show, where I started the show. And then they let him try an entire show, although I was completely ready to go on stage mm-hmm. just in case it wasn't like I was in my travel clothes. And that's when they sent him home and he emptied his mini bar. There you go. So that's the Mark St. John story. You know, I, 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 Kiss came into my life like in 77, so I, I, I have kind of a memory as a fan of all those changes. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think you kind of benefited. I think Vinny took the, the, the brunt of the that's not Ace Freely. Now, maybe that, I wanted to hear what your side of that was. Like yeah. when you came into Kiss, I just don't recall at that point they had already just they would gone from Vinny to Mark St. John, and then then you came in. Right. And it was almost almost like a silent change. Uh, it wasn't really you know uh, a big deal at that point. Did did you get a lot of Ace fans that were, or were it you was, basically it was welcomed? A lot of confusion, but I was not unwelcome. But confusion, oh my god! <laughs> the only um, newsworthy. Uh, publication that did explain that I was the guitarist was Kerrang! because they were very quick to press. Mm-hmm. Kerrang! is a, a, a UK you know publication, a great one by the way, and they were there yeah. to cover us immediately. But I remember there's a, there was a picture of me from my blackjack days, which was not that long before that. Um, they didn't have a good rats picture because that was my gig kind of prior. Yeah. So they had mustache from the back of the second blackjack album that was the band with Bolton. Michael Bolton, and um, it said uh, Mark St. John ill, Bruce Kulick replacing, you know, I have the clipping. And so I guess, and then England was pretty hip to, that's where we started, to that magazine. So I don't think there was a lot of confusion there. As we moved on throughout Europe, um, I think it was worse in America, to be honest with you, because, you know, Circus, 
hip raider. Like Rolling Stone delay at the time, too. Yeah. So nobody knew who was playing guitar. Mm-hmm. I still have fans because it seems like the legend of the non-makeup kiss is, is growing. It really is. Yeah. And some of that's age and some of it's just, well, they've been doing what they've been doing the same. So mm-hmm. what, what did what was different years ago? And it makes that <laughs> more <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And then all those people come out of the woodwork and there they are saying, yeah, I didn't know who I saw. I mean, I just read this recently a few times. Okay. I didn't know who was on stage. I knew it wasn't, you know, he starts uh-huh. mentioning, you know, Ace. And, and, and I didn't think it was Mark. Didn't look like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then even the, the, you know, the merchandise, the tour book was confusing. I wasn't on any of the T-shirts yet. Um, the tour book Eventually, though, right? There are animalized. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. Eventually, I think I might have made it into one. But if it was anything from the album, of course not. Mm-hmm. But the book had, when they finally flipped the picture of Mark, that he wasn't in the book anymore, I changed that page to me but the second picture was a picture of his hand and his hand at the time he always i mean physically he was a lot different from me uh but his fingers were like like five thumbs and, and you know oh, compared of the thing? To, i don't even know if they were swollen because of his illness at the time or they just that's his hands you know what i mean yeah sure but but gene kind of has fat fingers you know, yeah yeah we, we're all built different but <laughs> I, I mean you know that whenever so, anyone shows me that tour book i go Check this out. I'll sign here, but look at look. I put my hands right there, and I go look. Look at the fingers. It's Mark St. Johnson. So it was weird. Did Did you know Vinny? Did you ever get to know him at all? Now, my only time I knew Vinny, being you know, growing up in New York, obviously I met a lot of them, mm-hmm. other people that are related to the Kiss world. Um, and he was from Connecticut, but that you know that's tri-state area, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, yeah. New York. So I remember he worked at a uh, guitar shop. In, on 48th Street, which I'm very, very sad about the fact that it's not what it was anymore. Yeah. They just got rid of all the stores. Manny's music. I mean, I, I used to see my heroes there. Mm-hmm. And I actually would see Keith Moon while I'm testing out a Marshall Amp to buy or Leslie West. And it, it was really magical. And you knew that Hendrix bought his guitars there. You know, I mean, I didn't yeah. run into him, or, but like, you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, anyway, one of the stores he worked at, the We Buy Guitars. So I knew him from the shop and we used to chat and I knew he was a professional player and he, he did dabble with a few known, I think he worked with, by then he might've even worked with Felix Cavalieri already, that okay. treasure thing. Right? Yeah. But, um, and that was it. Um, I, I knew he got the gig, even though I knew that he was another one that they couldn't decide, but I wasn't as privy to kiss news, even though my brother sometimes got me some information because mm-hmm. of his relationship with Paul and Gene. But, um, I didn't get um, as, as as smart as what was really happening until I actually joined the band. That's why sometimes people ask me questions about Vintage Kiss, and I'm like, I, I don't have a clue. Sure. You know, why would I know? So you never borrowed Vinny any money? <laughs> and now, by the time I got into Kiss, yeah. of course, there I was, Gene and Paul traveling in one limo, and Eric and I generally in the other one. Eric would, would tell me some funny Vinny stories. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I, that, your comment just made me think of that. Yeah. But since it didn't happen to me, that I can't, I can't. Well, he's coming out of hiding, you know. know. And I, yeah, I'm yeah. Right. No, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. People, the people. If you owe your money, you can show up and, yeah. yeah. No, he doesn't owe me money. Yeah, that's $20. Though, I, I, I think the way Eric used to um, tell me crazy stories about like, yeah, let's go to dinner. Come on, let's go to dinner. You know, and then it yeah. turned out, oh, man, I don't have my wallet or yeah. something, even though I, I'm pretty sure with Kiss, 
he could just sign with the stuff anyway. Yeah. You know, but but Eric would would make make kind of like the reference of uh, uh, Vinny, you know, you know, kind of doing some shenanigans with him. But that could have been uh, he was the new guy. He's going to stick it to Eric. I don't know. Yeah. But but about the expo. Um, wow, I'm very curious about it too because here is a very talented. Uh, you know, I've even quoted myself. It was picked up by Rolling Stone. Oh, the Howard Hughes of Kiss, you know. I, I mean, you, you couldn't have a more mysterious figure from the band because most of the band does interviews. Mm-hmm. And, and and even if you don't, you know, there's always a little side of someone you don't know. I mean, Gene blew the lid off of all that with his family jewels. Sure. I uh, used to, people I knew that weren't even his fan they didn't like kiss loved the show Mm -hmm. i said you know that's the gene much more the gene i know not the demon not not that character that he sells not even the crazy businessman you see how you know on the show he was just like like almost like comically hapless at times you know what i mean that his whole family picked on him (laughs) and made fun of him now i'm not saying that that did you make fun of him Eric Carr used to take the piss okay. out of him a lot. And, and Eric Singer has fun with him. He can take take that kind of fun, you know. But I I, I have to admit, I was uh, – I, I, I love that, that Gene, Gene was Gene. But, yeah, he got picked on in a funny way. But that, that would never happen in the press. And then he shows that whole side of himself on the television show, you know, which was why it was so successful. But, honestly, Vinny, there's nothing like that of him. You know, Paul shares his love of cooking mm-hmm. and his art and – even though there's probably a side of Paul that he does want to keep private and he has the right to. Yeah. But certainly, you know, he, he presents his love, his passions and his things. Uh, you know, Tommy Thayer, you know, he's into golf and he's, and he's a guitar nut like me and Eric, you know, is into watches and cars. And so Tommy doesn't have to wait for you standing off stage with a broken headstock. No, no, yeah. No. Okay. No, you know, we get along very well. That's actually. good. And, um, but what do you know about Vinny except for some of the crazy press mm-hmm. that you've seen? Some of that's leading, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and who knows, right? And and um, even musically speaking, he could have been writing for years with people in, in, if he did live, you know, which supposedly lived in Tennessee, right? Lives in Tennessee uh, with people because he's very talented. He could be collecting royalties with a hit that's under a, a pseudonym. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying I know that, but I'm just saying, like, what? You know, he really... Outside of what I would call controversial press, you know, which he usually gave a positive spin to from, you know, the court case with kids to, you know, the crazy stuff at his house that, that they talked about. He's always put a positive spin on everything. You notice mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So I'm really hoping he can get out there and be whoever he is now and just express himself and share. He was important for kids. Um, there's no doubt. And his talent. um can't be ignored, but here's a guy that actually could be really um, enjoying it or um, sharing it and embracing it. And, and I do mm-hmm. my years. Yeah. Know? And I'm not saying his years were as long as mine, but they were in that period of time, very, very strong. And then he had the reappearance by helping out with some great songs for revenge. So this could be really exciting or somebody shows up and sues him. I don't know. I know the promoter. I'm the one guy that really knows the promoter. So there's good guy. Yeah, he he's from the the guy is not see like the Kiss all the years that I've been with Kiss and and then my post years 
obviously in case I didn't yeah. have any Xbox, of course. But as soon as I left, that was always um, a good source for me to um, uh, meet the fans and, of course, talk about my product, interview, make some money, mm-hmm. and, and really uh, get out there. And and they're great events, no matter what. Uh, obviously, the Kiss Cruise is like the biggest kind of version of that, if you know what I mean, I especially being official. But um, these uh, Kiss Expos that all the people who have survived, there used to be many more, but all of them, uh, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and now I lost my thought because I got so excited about all the expos I've done. What was what, 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 knowing the promoter. Knowing the promoter, yeah. right. So then out of Thank the you. blue, a newbie comes on the scene. Now, what I mean by somebody new is that it always was the same cast of people. Oh, gotcha. Who were dealers, and then they wanted to take it to the next step. Hey, why don't I just throw an expo? I know these dealers. I know that I get the table. Let me see if Bruce can do it. Let's see if Eric's available. I mean, Keith LaRue, who does the indie one, which is the biggest one, uh, he works with kids. So the next thing you know, he's got Gene at it. He's got Paul at it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, which really broke the the that, that curtain that was always there. You yeah. Know I mean, that those guys didn't do it. I'll have Tommy there. I'll have multiple one you know right. I, well, I'm, I bet he'll probably get ace at some point you see what I'm saying uh, he's never asked Vinny uh, anyway this guy Derek uh, approached Peter who's not an easy one to get either and he figured it out he wanted to do an LA Expo just to give you the backstory. and I told him you're crazy don't bother because I did one maybe I don't know how long 10 years ago right? mm-hmm. yeah. and it was a disaster because LA is not a good city LA is my lady whatever <laughs> LA, LA, there's too much going on in LA. Mm-hmm. It's not the strongest Kiss market. Okay. It, I'm not saying there aren't a million Kiss fans. There, sure. But there's too much going on. Yeah. It's one of those cities, you know. Um, and I told him you're crazy and keep in touch. But I, I, I wouldn't do it basically. You know, if he could read between my yeah, emails, okay, yeah. it would be uh, I won't do it unless there's something else. That yeah. is, you, you need something better than me. I'm not doing it. And then all of a sudden he said, I got Peter Chris. I said, I'm doing it. <laughs> How could I not do it, right? Yeah. So we, we were really impressed. I did play with a very popular tribute band at that one. He did it completely differently. He did it like a studio, Raleigh studio. Yeah. That's a that's a film studio, a famous film studio, right? I mean, they were it, that's different. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of course, Peter's like kind of like meeting the fans and everything had to be moved to this theater, which was probably terrific for the fans. You get what I mean? Yeah. So instead of it being a hotel convention room or something odd, it turned into something kind of unique to be parking on a, uh, a Hollywood film studio, a TV studio. So that went really well. Uh, then he invited me to do the New York one. He was way over his head with that one. Again, he got Peter. Uh, again, at, a, at an un- unusual place, even though it was a hotel. It was at the ballroom of a very famous hotel called the. It was the Peninsula. No, it? no. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania on, on Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, uh, by Penn Station rather. Okay, now that hotel was famous in the big band era. It's been around since like the 30s or the 20s even, right? Mm-hmm. It was, and and did Peter do? Peter did. Yeah, there was a separate room for him. We performed. The only problem is uh, he forgot in New York. Uh, forget about it. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you got to take care of business like real heavy duty. And the PA came an hour after our set was supposed to start. Okay? Oh, okay. So the monitors were there. So he did Q&A with people through monitors, which for the faithful 
you know, 200 people in the front could still kind of hear them, but you can't perform that way. Yeah. And anyway, you know, all the stuff's on YouTube, the performance that Lisa and I did, which was terrific. And we rehearsed, uh, we did play a few songs together, my wife and I, Kiss songs, and the new single, right? Did we do our single ones too? Yeah, we did. No, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. We didn't do it in Indy. Right, not in Indy, but we tested the waters in Indy, even though we were both sick with colds and it went well. We did a few songs and I did some other stuff. So we wanted to do that for, for Derek in New York. And that really was great. And then, of course, the tribute band, you know, the PA was there, of course, finally. But um, but it went very well. The, Derek's problem in New York was just that uh, it got a little over. Some of the events got overbooked, which was some he claimed was some software snafu with the way he was booking the tickets. Then he tells me he's doing Atlanta with Vinnie Vincent. And I was just like, oh, my God. Uh, Grand Funk was was booked that weekend, yeah. so even though he was saying, "Well, you could probably still make it," which in the end, actually, we got a gig on the day before I had a gig the day before. Okay, uh, but I told him, you know, I I, I don't want to uh, do the, the a three peat, you know, and, and and do this one. I think it's going to go great. I really hope the best. And actually, I, I did eventually mention, you know, my brother would be a really good guest, especially post cruise now. So he he did uh, invite my brother. So I'm hoping the best. I saw what Gene came out about Vinny, and Vinny responded very kindly, which was I thought was a good move. Um, this should, you know, to me, Kiss is, is even though there's times when everybody gets in the uh, in the sandbox and fights. You know, you've heard, you know, people. I I've always taken the high road, and there hasn't been really much that I should complain about. Sure. Even when it came to the Hall of Fame, I know that Gene and Paul were fighting for me to be inducted along with Eric Carr and Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer. But that was going to be a losing battle, but I thought it was great, you know, for me to be a part of that. But I, I don't have much to complain about, you know, and so I don't need to go negative. But I think regardless um, of any of the issues that Vinny has had in the past with, with Gene and Paul and the band, I, I just see there's so much to celebrate from Lick It Up and Creatures and, and the songwriting that the whole thing could be a very positive thing. And I and I know that the promoter and him love the idea that we'll sell this. Did Vinny save Kiss? And then there goes the board, the, the, the Kiss boards, you know, yeah. and they can have that discussion. I think that discussion is valid to kick around. As a fan. Yeah, as a fan. Mm-hmm. When you're a fan, you want to talk about that. Just, I mean, Kiss fans are not that different from Star Wars fans. <laughs> we went to see the, 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 you know, the movie with my family, and and then I posted, "What do you think?" And you should see my Facebook just exploded. Yeah. You know. Look, I enjoyed the movie, but I can get how a diehard can pick it apart and say this is wrong or this this doesn't make sense or what do you mean she survived out in space? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Whatever, but that's true in anything. You can argue whatever you want. But, <laughs> she in space. So let's see what happens in, in Atlanta. I cannot wait. Yeah. I, I have a, a, some really close friends that will be there. My brother, of course, I got other friends working there. And I, I want to be on speed dial that day, don't I? Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> I got to hear. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be there, but uh, I'm definitely. But I bet be. you know people that will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh. And and God forbid, I swear, I, it would be really tragic, of course, if if um, if Vinny didn't go or something really like kind of crazy happened. I think that would be stupid. Meaning I, there was one time that there was a, a, a the promoter got in trouble when there were supposed to. Uh, costumes that were oh i know you know, what you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah and and then it became a whole 
you know, where deputies show up. And, and, you know, <laughs> showed up to that expo. I think they did. Yeah, and that was kind of. It was a little odd to me, but I didn't know that they were also gearing up in time to do, you know, you know, them celebrate their past mm-hmm. and how those outfits, you know, got there or didn't, you know. On, on that, how did you feel about the Rise to It video at the beginning there where they did that? Well, I remember uh, Larry Mazer, who was the manager then, who's still a very dear friend of mine and I really like. Uh, he thought a little, you know, a connection to the past was not going to be a negative thing. And, and it was hardest for Eric Carr because he had a makeup character. So if they're putting on makeup, why isn't Eric putting, but how would he put on yeah. the cat? He wasn't the cat. Yeah. I mean, if they did, if you fast forward that to the current band, I guess you could have Eric being put on the cat or Tommy mm-hmm. putting on the edge. So I, I got it. And it didn't continue too much. It raised the question of we still got it even without that. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't real negative about it. But you got to remember, I was always very sensitive to Eric's uh, opinions and feelings yeah. about Kiss because he, he he was in an unusual time period there. Although, you know, I was always, uh, um, you know, you know, I. I had to give him a lot of respect for the fact that, well, he got in before I did, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he had certain um, uh, really great experiences, you know, not only playing in makeup, but the the elder and, and some of the things he went through. We were excited. That had to be weird for him. The first record is the elder. Oh yeah. How about him changing his character at the last minute? Yeah. You know what I mean? Before that. Well, that was actually a good move. I saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want him as the, what was uh, he going to be? A chicken? Yeah. 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 Oh, the makeup was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was wonderful. It, it's really interesting when you look back how, at the time, you know, things are kind of wacky, but you, you know, things happen for a reason. And everything They're a fascinating band just to talk about. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, uh, was Is that you and Eric in the video, though, like with the backs to the thing? Yes. Okay. We were there, but, of course, we weren't really shy sure. because it didn't make any sense. Hot in the Shade, my favorite tour band.
that's my era. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, band was just firing all cylinders. You know, for the first time, you're yep. digging out. Uh, See, you could check a memory. Like, Deuce, God of Thunder was yeah. on that tour. I Stole Your yeah. Love. Those were kind of... See, some of that had to do with Larry Mazur wanting to mix things okay. up for us and suggesting things. It's still a great mix yeah. of 80s stuff yeah. that you were part of, you know. And was, uh, and the crazy nights would probably be like, that That tour just seemed a little flat. It was right before it. and We were happy we had some hits, um, you know, especially in Europe. But I know that the band was wounded from Asylum coming down a notch, even though there's some great songs on it. It was a great mm-hmm. record. So... Um, yeah, looking back, I mean, I, and I've done some really uh, in-depth discussions recently about certain tours and everything. It's, it's, it's. Some of the things aren't really clear. Like I did some interviews. Uh, I did an interview recently with uh, John Hart's putting out a book. The, oh, really? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the you know security guy, and he was on the cruise. Uh, and and it was so funny because of course I knew John, but like I didn't have a lot of like very uh, vibrant memories of him, right? So then when we set up the interview with this guy that's helping him with the book, it was a three-way you know, conference call. And I'm like, so, John, when actually did we work together? Because it's all, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. side of it is a bit of a haze. And they're like, crazy nights. I'm like, holy shit. So I ran and got the tour book because I want to see if it, you know, like brought yeah. up anything, you know. And then it, it did because it, then it brought up some of the other people that traveled with us. So we were able to joke about some of that, those things and discuss those things. Um, some of the people from management and the other people that we hired that, and some of those, I have better memories than John. And I was honest with John doing the interview that, uh, that whole crazy nights tour was, I, I guess, you know, to me, there was nothing extreme to remember. I remembered more of the festivals over in Europe over the years, mm-hmm. because they were very big events and we did a real, we did the festival tour. You know, Do you still have that radioactive symbol suit? You know, I don't, but uh, I know who has it. And I, it. It made an appearance at the New York Is Expo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, this, this Uber fan, Mike, that I'm friends with, uh, brought it there. And um, and it's a long story how that all sure, happened. Sure. When we used to give things to fans, and that fan named Fab Vinny, that was his name. Everybody knew Miss Fab Vinny, Vinny Gonzalez. And then years later, he has health problems, and he just uh, goes, I got to get rid of this stuff. And then he mm-hmm. winds up selling it all, which is like, the one guy you'd never expect to sell anything. You yeah. know what I mean? You know? Sure. And then he sells it all. And then, of course, you know, then it goes on the market. You know what I mean? That's like, it, that, that might have been even before eBay. Who knows? But anyway, this guy, Mike, wound up with it. So, um, but I was, I was getting to something about John Hart. Yeah. You know, and, and my biggest recollection of John was there weren't a lot, except that as far as I was concerned, that tour was very smooth. And he knew of things that he had to deal with a little you know, fires you had to put out with yeah. Paul and Gene, but I was Mr. Low Maintenance, you know, like my uh, guitar tech would, they used to joke with Mike Rush, um, who's called nicknamed Spike, uh, who did continue to work for, for Kiss and all. Ironically, he works for Seeger now, which is like a little grand fun connection with, sure. with Don Brewer and all. And uh, they used to change the lyrics to Deuce and say, you know, he ain't working hard. He works for Bruce. <laughs> but that's that's not a slam of me. It's no, like, I know. I, I, I know how to it's set up funny. my guitars. You know, just tune the damn things. Most of them have Floyd Roses on them, mm-hmm. the locking tremolos for those non-players listening. So the guitars, the guitars are wrong. I take out my white ESP M1 or my banana guitar. Mm-hmm. It's in tune. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't have to touch it for five years. It's still in tune. You, you know what I'm saying? So, so Spike didn't have to do too much. So anyway, getting back to John and thinking of some of those tours, you know, it, there's highlights. And I know I did a, a retrospective on my 
website years ago. That I'm oh, it's great. That would be my book. You know, and I know people have asked me about it, but I would like to just more celebrate and take everybody through the my whole career. But then when it comes to the Kiss years, to go through it kind of album by album, tour by tour, video by video, what I can remember. Sure. I can't remember everything. Well, I would, I'll buy it. You can get. Well, thank you. The, the one sale for certain. There you uh, go. We got a sale. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, <laughs> talk to publishers. Baco's got one. Oh, um, there you go. Uh, you know, you, we're talking about the expo a little bit, but Kiss at their own Kiss convention, and technically that would be where you and I first met. I probably mm-hmm. remember it a little clearer than you do. So it was when we were at the Minneapolis one. Yeah, okay. uh, um, not too far from well, about an hour from yeah. there, I suppose. Uh, there was an incident though that I wanted to know if you remembered because okay. it involved you. Mm-hmm. A gentleman asked you a question in very rapid fire. You know where I'm going yeah, with this? I think so. Forget yeah. it. Say that. Uh, and it was, you know, three, like three or four quick questions. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was, and how much did Kiss pay you at the end? Yeah. Uh, I was wondering um, what your individual bank accounts contain in groups. <laughs> I was also wondering um, how much they originally hired you for and how your account has, uh, uh, you know, grown since then. And you politely answered all of them. And I remember even like in the audience, when you responded, I was like, that was a little terse the way yeah. he ended that. Uh, but the guy, of course, you, he, you, your answer, I believe, was something along the lines of... My brother doesn't know. I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, you know, when it comes to people's like money and stuff like that, it's really personal. It really is. I mean, I think you got some other good questions there, but the, the money thing's kind of stupid. <laughs> 20 minutes, half hour goes by, and all of a sudden, like, some in the middle of somebody else asking a question, you're like, Yeah, well, Bruce, I want to know what was so bloody stupid about my bloody question earlier. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, real. I mean, for God's sakes, man. Okay, I just asked him. I think he wants to come up here. No, I think he just... I remember that that it upset me because uh, I don't even like it when a, when a professional player that I know that I'm friends with uh-huh. asks me, so what does that band pay you? You know, what did you make? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there are times I definitely like to, uh, if, if there's a buddy of mine in the industry that they're going <laughs> to do something and say like, you know, they offer me this, how does that sound? You know what I mean? That yeah. I would, I would, I would give some advice. But I do find what people make uh, to be a personal thing, and I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I guess it irked me only because um, what was always interesting about Kiss is that my my salary was was it, it changed through the years, yeah. and obviously it grew through the years, yeah. you know. But I also was aware of the bigger picture of it, okay, um, of of Eric, and then I'd hear things about you know things in the past and. And, and and what they went through. And I just felt like I probably could have framed that in a very... Um, well, you answered everything leading up to it very polite. Yeah, yeah. It almost seemed like just yeah. one of those moments. Yeah. yeah. But I think it irked me only because it was one of those things that probably brought <laughs> up question. some of my my frustrations of... You know, you know, you got to remember that if, if you Google me on internet and it drives me nuts, although my manager thinks it's funny or maybe a good thing, but, it, you know... You know, you can put in a performer's or an actor's name, you know, net worth. You know what I mean? Oh, and something how ridiculous accurate comes is that, up. though? It's not. Yeah. That's just, I mean. How would anybody well, know? Like, there's, there's not a place. For- well, when it says things that I'm worth twice as much as someone I know that is loaded, okay, yeah. because they just bought a $2 million home, yeah. I feel like 
what the fuck? Right. You know, so it, it goes to that. And I remember exploding when I saw what it said about me. And I'm going like, uh, I don't think I'd even be working if I had that money. You see what I'm saying? So uh, I, I think when it comes to money and yet some people will read it and believe it. Sure. And then say like, well, I'm going to his uh, wedding. He's 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 rich. I don't need to give him a gift. <laughs> and they don't give a gift. And yeah. someone that can give a gift. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So uh, I think it's always awkward talking money. I know. I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you. I know with Gene and Paul, uh, who are very well off, you know, they never talk about money. Mm-hmm. You know, they act like as if they're they're just like, I'm not saying they act like a struggling band, you know. But I remember years where we're like, okay, uh, so is anybody, uh, where's the tech for our rehearsals? No, just bring your amp. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I'm loading an amp in my car, you know, and that's not exactly rock star sure. level. But, you know, Kiss is touring. I mean, Gene is touring right now, and I don't think he's got a big crew, if anything. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it was those dates. So those guys were never flamboyant about, yeah, you want to stay at a good hotel. I'm not saying they don't travel comfortable, but they were never about, like, uh, you know, having people around all the time or being, you know, but still when it comes to money and, and someone wants to say something, I, I get irked even if they're asking about um, Grand Funk or something like that. You know, I don't, I don't like it. So yeah, I wish I could have handled it better. So I, I, I'll skip past my question, which was how much is Grand Funk paying you to be here? Right, right. Oh no. Yeah, uh, <laughs> even my wife is sworn to secrecy. You know, only my accountant knows. about fly-in dates um because uh i didn't really know they existed until maybe late 90s early 2000s i, I had a chance to spend some time with kelly Keegi yeah. for an unrelated thing um mm-hmm. and he would tell me like night ranger never never practiced so okay. simple kind of gear question what did you bring today that would be on stage just your guitars all right so here's your other lesson okay so what happened when i first joined grand funk uh we were at the mercy of backline, as we mm-hmm. call yep. it, through the promoter. For and people that own, that's all the And all I'd have guitars. to bring is a guitar and a pedal board, which was a royal pain in the ass. Okay. Chris, you're talking about flying, clothing, pedals, Oh, because as opposed to touring with everything. Right. It's well, if you're going to tour for like a month or whatever, yeah. everything's on trucks and vans yeah. or whatever. So um, 
in a very quick amount of time. I don't even think I, I'm not positive it only took us a year, but maybe the first year was a struggle like that. Everybody just bring in their gear and then we plug into whatever. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we found a, an excellent backline company called uh, Jonas, and they're based out of Indy, but they also have a company in, in Vegas. And we have three rigs of gear basically that can go meet us anywhere. Now, why three? Well, if you have a gig in the Midwest, you know, on a sad on a Friday, let's say, and then on Sunday you need to be in Florida, the truck's not going to make it. The same okay. truck that finished that gig. So then the B rig would meet you in Florida. And then if the next day there was a gig in Vegas or California, the C rig from Florida would meet you there. Sure, that's all planned out in advance. They're heading to the I have guitars with all that. I have pedal boards with all that. Okay. So in other words. Um, Things are set up very conveniently. And the funniest story related to that, which isn't um, Grand Funk, but uh, I remember, you know, of course, I fly out of LAX often to meet the band. We all fly from where we live, which is all over the country. And uh, I remember me- knowing the sound the sound guy, I-, I didn't realize he worked for Rick Springfield. And Rick is very successful, you know that. And, yeah. and he's on the same kind of circuit as us where he does a lot of the casinos. And, and, and they were like, 20 maybe more flight cases outside for the airline to grab right so i knew the sound guy and we we hooked up at the uh the lounge in the hotel i mean in the in the airport and i go to you know what are you doing with all the gear well you know we got a gig here and it's all gotta go you know this is what we take to do our gig and i'm like we need a backline company here you go and i give him you know the information for gotcha and so it's like I'm, I'm very all they do huh? yeah i'm very popular with the people who are on this okay okay that was a huge account they got and they've never looked back okay so most bands except when you're a kiss or you're at that top tier yeah. doing those gigs where you have trucks and a crew you you have you have back one okay so what did i bring i have a little pouch in that bag over there i'll bring the sound check which has some tools because even though my our, our road crew guy has the tools. Mm-hmm. I like to do it myself. <laughs> you know? Okay. I may have some strings in my bag. Okay. And some guitar picks. Okay. That's nice. all I got to bring. Thank God. Now, when I go do the cruise, let's say, yeah. which I, I call more like a one-off. Okay. Or if I go to Norway and Finland to do clinics and then perform a little or do an expo and perform with a band, I have to fly a guitar. So then I will fly a guitar, not multiple guitars. Okay. Um, I've seen guys for one-offs take multiple guitars. I yeah. don't know why, but they carry like a double gig bag or something. They'll be seeing a chiropractor when they're in their forties, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and and I fly a guitar that's convenient. I always fly great guitars. Usually, I'm always taking an LTD by ESP that are. Uh, I don't want to take a five thousand dollar guitar. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. take an affordable guitar that, God forbid, the airline ran it over with a truck. Yeah. I, I'm okay. And I will take pedals. I could fit them all in a small, like something like your man bag mm-hmm. or something. Uh, I'm real, I'm real uh, old school about it. Just, yeah, immerse. I just plug them in, and I, I, and I won't take an amp. I mean, I've heard stories of George Lynch, and God bless him. I know, I know he's great with tone. He loves gear, and he made like a guy in, in Australia. He flew his head. He had a, a you know, an actual mm-hmm. hundred watt head he wanted. The guy had a had a heart attack with it. Because how expensive it was to fly that around yeah. Australia. You went nuts. But you get know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's practical, and then there's, you know, the obsessive fan, you know. Or Richie Kotzkin now has a device that has it all in a little, you know, pedal thing. 
he's he, he's got his name on on the Tech Twenty One product. Yeah, that's that, that, that I forget what it's called. The uh, Fly Rig, I think it's called. So, you know, nowadays now these guys with inner ear, they don't even use gear. Everything's like, you know, you know, what I'm saying there's ways to to, to really reduce the stress of that kind of stuff. The yeah. hardest thing is just having airlines get you where you want to go. Yeah. Mel had to take a chartered plane, which I'm sure cost the band a ton of money compared to a commercial flight because the airport's closed in the Michigan city where he lives because of a storm that came. We, we would have to cancel the gig if he didn't get yeah. here somehow. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. It's just getting there. Yeah. Cause you guys aren't all like you're living apart, right? You're coming from different areas. Yeah. Yeah, We're all in different together. States. We, we have uh, Carolinas, we have Nebraska, we got Florida, we got Michigan and California. I think I'm more of your mindset though, because I, I never got out of bars. And my what I would take got less and less and yeah. less. I used to do three guitars, then mm-hmm. I'm two. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I can probably go with that. I bet you I won't break a string tonight. I'm only bringing one. You know, it's oh, that's just, bad. No, I've done some good articles for like some of the magazines. <laughs> I remember one for Premier Magazine that it was like being prepared yeah. you know, for the sessions and the gig. It was always about having extra stuff. Yeah. Always. But yeah, you know, whatever. You know, I've also been that that even at that low level. You get drummers who refuse to share a drum kit at a bar. You know, it's like, you yeah. know, well, there's a 45-minute changeover. No, we, we, <laughs> I, I mean, I've always, right, right. And, and like this Australian tour I did in May, and, and I did gigs uh, with a band from Australia, uh, and my sister's doll, they're called Young Guys. But the other band was uh, John Reagan and, and uh, other really talented players, the drummer that was in uh, uh, Skid Row, um, and... and uh, the band was called Four by Fate, a new group. Oh, uh, isn't Howarth in that too? It's kind of like some of the yeah, guys. Yeah, Todd Howarth and yeah. and what's what's our drummer's name that we love? The Skid Row drummer. The Rob Afuso. Yeah, Rob or, Afuso. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw the last name in my brain. It was and then they had this other guitar player, Pat, who's who's got the studio. Was really talented. Really great band. They were super talented. I loved it. Did we change drums? I think that's all we changed, but we shared the gear, mm-hmm. and that's the only way to make it work. Yeah. So the little rub was just the gear, the, the, the drum gear. And I think there was one gig where we had no choice. Couldn't change the gear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Couldn't change the thing because the stage was not very friendly. So, yeah, that's what you do. It's about the music, not about the equipment, the, t- and the, the, the tones in your hands. You know that. Yeah. I, I'm not a, a player at your level, so I have a very basic setup. I used to use a lot of okay. pedals, and that's, that's what got yeah. yeah. I was, well, I, I was I, always the rhythm guitar player in the band oh, anyway. Yeah. I'm like, ah. You deal with that, you know. You know, it's pedals are a disease that I, I, I haven't been cured. I haven't cured of the guitar. Oh, they're fun to play yes. with, yeah. but at, at a gig, I just found it like a distraction, and uh, they would someone go and that have them take me forty five minutes to figure out what happened, you know. And it's just one of those carry on bags because my wife doesn't always travel with me, of course. So I, I said, no, we should bring that, and then you'll have it. We can put some stuff in there, and I'm like, well, what was in it? Of course, pedals. And they were, they they had like the go to pedals that I have when I have to do it. Yeah, not a grand bon gig because. Right. Yeah. So they'll have like what I might have taken on the cruise. Plus, I do sessions now in my own house, which is convenient because people can't really afford studio recording. But I can I, I have the ways to make it sound amazing just with the software and Pro Tools and, and uh, on, on my buddy's laptop. So I record in my own home, which which gives me the luxury of all, all the, the guitars that I love that are mm-hmm. home. You know, and of course, my collection of pedals, which thank God I got rid of about 40 recently. I did a trade deal, but I didn't need any. So I'm pulling out stuff from the bag, and I go like, oh, yeah, 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 and we'll leave it. Where'd this one come from? You know what I mean? I'm like, I didn't know I had another one of these, and it's like a $200 uh, Boss Delay, you know, vintage one. And then and then right, it took me about five minutes to figure out 
why I had it in the bag. Well, I just recently took it out of one of the pedal boards because the light was just a little too dim for the kind of lighting we keep getting, oh, which, sure. which washes it out. So my obsession with pedals, not only the fact that I do enjoy, you know, painting the tone when you have those mm-hmm. opportunities to be creative with them, is uh, backups and then function. The, 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 they need to be functional. If that pedal sounds great and you can't tell if you turned it on or not because the light isn't bright enough, is it really being functional for you? Sure. Right. So the next thing I know, I'm like, wait a minute, they're, they're a new reissue. I think it sounds as good enough. I can see the light on that. So then, <laughs> you get what I mean? So there's the upgrade, and then I have the old one. And yeah. go on and on about gear. Yeah. I'm a gearhead. Yeah. Um, a little bit about uh, Union. Mm-hmm. Um, was a huge fan. Uh, we have a, a saying on our show, we call it perfectly rated. And it's how we describe most bands. And, and the, the, the concept is good or bad, huge or like Van Halen is perfectly remembered almost like, like how they should be. Mm-hmm. They are as, as popular as, as they are because of how good they are. Right. Or a band like, uh, well, you know, better example, I, I like Slayer more than Metallica. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I can clearly understand why Metallica is one of the biggest bands on yep. the planet. There's just yep. something different there. Mm-hmm. Um, Union is a rare example for me that I actually think you're underappreciated, underrated. No, I agree. Uh, I, two amazing mm-hmm. records. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and you kind of saw like the progression from, because you had a lot of con- input on Carnival of Souls. What was that whole, was as a musician, what was the time like for you with Union and working with John Karabi? Well, um, it was Larry Mazur who put me together with John, which was wonderful because when I asked Larry, what am I doing now? Uh, <laughs> you know, they uh, they chose Doc McGee anyway, so it wasn't like he got busy with Kiss. He right. to do managing, um, which he's still, he's still out there doing it. Um, and Larry knew John very well. I knew of John, uh, but I didn't know him personally. He said, well, you, you're going you're gonna to like him, and he's really talented. You know, he's East Coast guy, he's mm-hmm. really so we hooked up, and the chemistry was there right away, even though we're completely different personalities. You know, John with the tattoos and the freaking shoes <laughs> and everything. And, and the past 10 years kind of looking like a crazy homeless guy. Yeah. But that's a look. You know, he's still, uh, he, he's got a heart of gold, and uh, our chemistry was great together. And we started writing and putting it together. Now, I was starting from scratch there. That was hard. Uh, you got to remember, my years in Kiss were extremely. Uh, a bit of a bubble because, you know, you were defined by the band and the fame of the band and the luxuries of the band. Yeah. And and, um, and now I'm, uh, I, I had to leave the, the, the house. You know what I mean? I'm not, as much as I, you know, I, I always like to say, and we know it's true that I'm still part of the Kiss family, but I'm not in that bubble. I'm not in that inner circle. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the band anymore. You know, and, and of course they went on for these uh, tremendous, you know, success with it. Reunion tour, understandable. Thank God, and Eric and I still talk about it. Eric Singer and I, even though, of course, you know, he's had the, the longest tenure as a drummer past, uh, you know, in kids, yep, you yeah. know, and past Gene and Paul in numbers of, of, of years. We talk about how they um, paid us for a year, even though we weren't in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was something that was certainly a uh, uh, gave me plenty of time, a little kind of safety valve, you know, to kind of safety net really to, to then find my next things, you know? So within, within time working with John, uh, we started to be creative. I started, I did look at a lot of material that didn't get chosen by 
um, KISS to record uh, as possible contributions for what could be union music. The first song, Old Man Wise, was a riff that Gene really liked, and we, we were fooling around with it. We didn't do anything with it, but he thought, oh, that's great. You know, that down, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Could have been on carnival songs, sure. Especially if, if, if Gene tackled it, you know what I mean. So, um, I'm very proud of the band. Uh, all I could say is it was it was more the timing of that band. Uh, once we had the band together, Brent and James, all really talented. I just I saw us as a combination of a of all the bands that we came from, and just kind of being a creative uh, take on all that. You know? Did you guys do a full tour? I don't recall. So we got a, a some tour support. Yeah, I remember that we were only signed to an independent Spitfire, label. right? Yeah, which was a new label. Mm-hmm. And we did get out there and do some gigs uh, probably for a couple of months. They were mostly the clubs and everything. The mm-hmm. problem with that is like the first few promoters that get bullish and then they go like, okay, yeah, we'll pay you X. And it's like decent money. <clears throat> and then if you three-quarter fill the place or half fill the place, and scale back a little bit. And then next thing you know is the offers aren't that good, and how do you put the tour together? Oh, it would have been a lot better if we had an opportunity to use that money to maybe open up for a major artist on a on a you know arena tour where we could really mm-hmm. maybe maximize you know the people seeing it. Okay, so we didn't get a big break that way. We didn't get any real. We got some radio support, but we didn't get the big connection of radio support music was changing it was a weird time yeah like limp biscuit was coming around at that exactly. point and so music changed it was the time for a lot of different stuff that we couldn't compete with so i really do feel like we fell through the cracks anyway we put out a couple of singles you know again nothing big happened i knew the band you know i always say to this day and i know the fans that we have and i'm not trying to make the band like some legendary mysterious group and 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 Whatever, it's a kick-ass band. Yeah, yeah, that I was super proud of the music. I know that I I can't even tell you how many times things that could have gone better, you know, fell way short. Sure. You know, to the point where I'd go like, the black cloud, you know, those kind of things. And it was really frustrating. But the one thing I I don't see any black cloud over is the the music that I left behind. I'm really very proud of it. Unfortunately, the record deal... 
was grandfathered to other labels and it, it didn't have to be, but there was a lot of business things too. You know, I mean, no band has a, a worse story than Grand Funk with the old, you know, Terry Knight days. Oh yeah. yeah you know, you know about that. Right? I, I don't I know the, the whole history with yeah. the, the tax thing. So and... I'm not saying like union suffered like that, but I'm just saying like when, when digital became evident and I remember the guys would say to me like, Hey, don't we own our records yet? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and I had to look into it. I was the only one that kept any of the contracts or the paperwork or the stuff. <laughs> and by the time I figured it out and I showed it to my manager, lawyer friend, you know, we're Yeah, we have no, they're not ours. It doesn't revert to us. Okay. So whoever, you know, and again, when it gets grandfathered, six times watered down, yeah. meaning one label sells yeah, another I, and then uh, that one goes out of business, but it all goes to another one. It's a joke. You know, I, I think ridiculous. at a certain point, they're, they're, if nobody's going to do anything with it, it should go back to the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm all for giving the artist more control, and we may mm-hmm. be able to see that with the music industry changing. But well, well, now if you put out anything, generally the artist controls it because unless you're one money. of the bigger bands that a label gets the 360 deal and it makes sense mm-hmm. for you to, because you're a bigger band, which means they're they have a part of the merchandise, the touring, the whole thing. But yeah. Uh, by, by the time Union ended, I, I, I wanted to do my first solo record because I got so frustrated with all the roadblocks uh, going down that road. And uh, <clears throat> I remember saying at a, at a pretty early time in, in this industry, like 99, 2000, mm-hmm. I got to sell out of the trunk of my car. Yeah. You see, which meant the internet, really, which was still kind of not as mm-hmm. big as it is now. And that's what I did. And I did very well with Audio Dog, did very well with Transformer. By BK3, I did a record deal, although that label went out of business. So I had my positive parts of it and my negative parts of that. But this whole DIY approach is what everyone does now, mm-hmm. except now you pre-sell the record so you get a pledge music and you know yep. you to put it out that way. Uh, and that's been the disconnect about people like artists that you and I love and grew up with. Uh, don't want to really put out a lot of new stuff because it's very hard. It is disappointing because yeah. there has been some uh, some kind of like a, I don't know what you want to call older artists that have put up some great material in the last mm-hmm. 15 years and to kind of see that kind of just go by the wayside. Even McCartney uh, has put out some brilliant solo records in the past 10 years. Well, I get the convenience of streaming. I have a lot of fun with my Spotify and my Apple Music and I pay. You know, do the free versions, and I also see my royalties for things that actually got some activity and like. Uh, I might be able to buy, you know, buy lunch with it. I was going to say. <laughs> I can't pay bills with it. Uh, so there you go. That's one thing I've hammered on in a lot of my interviews. We ha- Especially for these newer bands, we have to find a way to get – there's clearly money in streaming. Mm-hmm. And the only people that aren't getting it are the artists. Right. You know, I, I, Desmond Child said like six million streams of uh, one of the Bon Jovi hits, right? Yeah. He had to split $120 yeah. with Richie Sambora. Yeah. Now, again, they're not hurting for money, but if that's what they're getting – you know, what is an up and coming band getting, but no, the whole, the whole, um, the system is kind of askew and I, I can't call it rigged cause I don't know enough about it. I'm sure there are people who are aware of how the laws got passed, how it got enacted and controlled that, uh, how they made their deals with the publishers and the mm-hmm. labels, but artists are being screwed royally. Okay. Now I do like that kiss fans like physical product. Uh, they also like their stuff signed. You know what I mean? And they mm-hmm. like, and they still cherish their records. Yeah. Vinyl has has value and and things like that. But but uh, it's just so sad what's happened. Uh, and and there's 
There's no collective way to fix it easily. I know I, I get, I belong to the music union, but I always see articles about them trying to improve the streaming royalties. Yeah. yeah. So let's see what happens over time. The gift of our holiday song that I just filmed with Lisa that's on YouTube. You know, like, I don't expect to make any money from it. I, I do get some YouTube mon- monetization or whatever mm-hmm. they call it from my uh, TuneCore, which is how, how I, that's my label in a sense, you know, for, I sure. for my music app. Um, but it is fascinating to see um, what will happen. You know, I don't know where it's all headed. Um, well, let me wrap it up with probably the thing that everybody wanted me to talk to you about, anybody who's listening. And, and we that, talked about so many other things. I know. I, trust me. But I, we I, didn't talk about my breakfast, my pancakes and eggs. I, I, uh, I probably got through half of the questions okay. at best. But uh, I definitely um, I got to talk to you about the Kiss Cruise because mm-hmm. uh, you got you and your brother, of course, played on night one. And the Internet blew up probably before you got off stage. Uh, I don't know how they got the word out. I don't know. You're in the easy. middle of an ocean, man. Yeah, yeah, we're out there. Yeah. Yeah, but well, it was actually maybe by the time we played, it was still we were. You know, it's funny what on that cruise, which way went down the Mississippi and everything, until you actually reach the Gulf of Mexico, which is where we were headed. I don't. I don't know if we. You know, maybe by the time we were out there, we were kind of just getting to the Gulf. You know, because remember, it took forever to to kind of leave the port. And everything. Yeah. But um, yeah. So your question is. How people here on the Killers album tonight. We should have learned some songs from that record. Just kidding. No way to run!
I was always voted as like, you know, when a six man who's, who promotes it, you know, but it's really run by Kiss mm-hmm. in, in conjunction with six man who really know how to do a cruise. Uh, you know, I would always come up as like, you know, well, who else would you like to see on the cruise? Because, you know, they already did six. Yeah. And my name uh, would would always pop up like at the top of the, you know, the list. So I remember uh, once uh, Kiss looked at that. Uh, and Paul and Gene, especially Paul, had this concept of uh, let's call the cruise Kiss World, you know, instead of an album thing or whatever, because that that's what some of the themes they were doing. Right. I wasn't really aware of every cruise. You know, I just remember asking early on Gene, Gene, people say, like, when are you doing the cruise? You know, this was probably in the second year. And he said, it's complicated. You know, I knew what that meant. That, mm-hmm. that it's just like, well, and then he, he clarified it a little bit. Well, if we ask you, then what about the other former Kiss members? That's a good point. I get it. What can I say? You know, I can't tell them, well, don't have me because you may not have Ace or you may not ask right. Peter or you may not, whatever. You know, from an outsider, I'll tell you this. I don't think the fans would feel that. And it, I would understand why you, and not necessarily Ace, Peter, Vinny, or anybody mm-hmm. else, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, it just is what it is. Yeah. But anyway, I let go of it and I didn't like really look at every cruise. But when I got the word through the people that I know that work with Kiss that look, they want to ask you, you know, for uh, Kiss Cruise 7 to be on the boat. I said, what would I do? Uh, we don't know yet. But there is a <laughs> panel. So, you know, many of the uh, conventions and expos, mm-hmm. I don't mean necessarily the Kiss ones. I mean the comic book ones and everything. Even at the big one, what's that big one in San Diego? Comic Con. Yeah, what's very big is the the actors and the and the artists and the creators to talk to the fans and, and do a panel. That's huge. You know, in fact, those people don't perform. Of course, they don't act on stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. So brilliant. Paul comes up with Kiss World. You know what I mean? And there it is. And we'll have Bruce. Let's ask Bob. Great, right? Bob's got a great story to tell, and his his you know connection to Kiss is strong. Let's have John Hart, you know, who, they, who they're still friends with. I know that even though he doesn't work for the band. Lydia Chris, you know what I mean? Oh, that's and, right. and, then, and then they wanted a producer. I remember them kicking around a few people. But I know that Michael, uh, Michael James Jackson, who who is the very, he's been asked to do interviews and everything. He always says no. Yeah. I've known Michael a long time, actually. We were friends for a while. But I knew he was friends with, with Paul and Gene, and especially close with Paul. And it was his girlfriend that said, you're doing it. You know, it was one of those things. there. That, yeah, so Michael James Jackson was on. Because I, I know what you mean by reclusive, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, no, and 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 he, we had a good conversation about three weeks before the cruise because he said like, you know, I don't, you know, I, I love those guys. I love what I did with the band. I don't, I don't really ever talk about it because you know he just he has that kind of mm-hmm. point of view that's not as you know it's no big deal. It's not like he has something big in the future plan that he's keeping. Sure. You know, you know whatever. But I said you got to go. It's going to be fun. You know. Anyway, so there's the panel. But if they're going to invite Bob and I, who are real, you know, musicians and performers, how can we not play? Mm-hmm. So originally it was presented that I would play with Bob with the house band. And the house band is some talented guys. There are a few of them, I think, are in Gene's band. Okay. But uh, it, it evolved from there because once the discussion started to continue with Six Man and Kiss and my, and my brother about, like, well, the house band – there was a lot of discussions, a lot of kicking around. In the end, I, I told Bob to really push for uh, – he wanted to really push for Todd and Brett. I said, you have my blessings, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know who we, how we'd do the performance or how we'd 
um, well, once we would have Todd and Brent, then it was like, okay, everybody share your schedules. The next thing you know, we're rehearsing for two days in Vegas on a couple of days that worked for everyone's schedule. And, and it was pretty obvious to put together a killer set of songs that, you know, that I, I'm known for and songs that Bob's known for. So we had this, like, believe me, we, we could have done even more unusual songs, you know, obviously, because there were other tracks of Bob and, and playing mm-hmm. from my catalog. But it really, what what turned into probably my most, um, I was I guess I would say that in some ways that that gig was probably one of the highlights of my career and also one of the highest pressure gigs that I had in many, many years. <laughs> like my first gig in Kiss, I was, my, my knees were trembling. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I definitely was, you couldn't have a more, you know, brighter spotlight of a performance that, first of all, the rehearsals were a month before the gig, okay, but we all had tapes of what we rehearsed, mm-hmm. like practice. So it wasn't like we just came out of rehearsal that week. You know, kids goes on tour, usually they get, they get together the week before. Yeah. You know? So there's that. There's the unknown of on a ship. There's C-sec. back line. <laughs> well, you know, fortunately the boat wasn't too bad, but, you know, it wasn't you know, mm-hmm. weather good. But what I'm saying is, yeah, the elements, you're outdoors, you're on the, on the pool deck. But I was more concerned as back line, as monitors, as PA. We don't have light. Oh, right. We don't have a sound guy. We don't have lighting. And then, magically, thank you. Outside of my brother unplugging himself twice, uh, which I fixed very quickly, um, uh, everything worked. And the set was great. And the lights were amazing. And I want to thank, you know, Kiss and Six Man. For, for doing that for us. The sound was amazing. And the gig came off amazing. And the fans were, some of them were crying. You know, what can I say? It was uh, really uh, one of my uh, big, big, big moments. I know it meant a real lot for my brother because I've been already in that Kiss light for many years, yeah. now, you know, doing things. And I've done some exciting gigs with tribute bands around the world. Okay, yeah. around the world. Some of them are really good, and we have a great crowd. My gig with Hairball here in Minneapolis was unbelievable. Yeah, the lights and sound and the crowd. It was a sold-out theater, you know, that was packed. It was crazy. So I know my brother's done some gigs in Vegas that, that were fun. Not the Kiss Cruise, you know, what I mean? yeah. not not that kind of um, reaction and, and and feedback from the That's fans awesome. that you feel on stage. So I'm I'm grateful for the YouTubes. I'm grateful for the fans and the reaction. And um, uh, you know where it leads us. Of course, everybody. That's says, the next question. Yeah. Is there going to be more? Look, you can uh, play the video. Oh, you're already busy at the video expo. Yeah, but, but something like that. No, expo, no, right? it like could a, be an expo, and there's you have a every, built-in audience. Everything's been discussed. Nothing's been. Planned. Oh, so you are meaning yeah. meaning have some people come to us already to say, could you do this? Mm-hmm. And, and look, from November to December, not a great time to plan your 2018. I'll be honest. The, the, the music business kind of slows down a bit. Oh, okay. I have my Grand Funk gig, so I always have to be careful. Mm-hmm. If if I wasn't in Grand Funk and Todd and Brent were available as well, um, Bob and I could certainly figure out, all right, let's, let's pick and choose the best thing that we could do a chunk of something, you know, of touring. Unfortunately, because of Grand Funk, in the same way that um, it's always been a bit of a challenge for me to commit to things that are anything more than two or three weeks, um, it's hard for me to do all that. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that that couldn't happen. It also doesn't mean that we couldn't possibly 
record something or film something at a gig that, that we could share with everybody. Everything's possible. Let's see what happens. You know, it's, it's been, um, the reaction's been wonderful. I, I, I also need to put it out there that sometimes I think it's a, it's a bit askew to, well, who loves it? Who loved what we did? Kiss me. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a very specific audience. Thank you. So, yeah. so you get that. Yeah. I know how important it is and I know how wonderful it is and I know how different it is and how special it is. And I love that. Okay. Love it. But most bands like the people that said you should do festivals. Okay. And I'm not saying that, that the festivals wouldn't make an offer or I couldn't approach them mm-hmm. about it. Although they usually fall in time periods that are difficult for me. Yeah. But every band that plays at the festival is not concentric to just one thing or, you know, very much. Give your point. Who goes to the festivals, the bands that, fans that love all the bands that play there mm-hmm. I'm not saying we wouldn't fit there but it's, it's not the same not, just next week I'm going to have a conversation with somebody that I know he has some information for me he'd like to talk to me in other words uh, he knows that some people are making offers I will be open to everything and anything I will not say you know yes to everything I, we're going to figure it out it's, 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 uh, I want to be careful with it think about it how do you not poop on the magic gig Oh, absolutely. How about if we were not careful and super hungry and just overly ambitious, possibly doing uh, something that will fall way short of your expectations that would be Mm -hmm. very disappointing. I don't want that to happen either. So I don't know how to make – I'm not saying it's going to be easy to match a Kiss Cruise because you can't have a more perfect experience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So i got to be careful of that too. So the, all those things are in schedule, what makes the best sense, not doing, not going down the wrong road with it and making sure that it fits, okay, the equation of what I feel would be uh, appropriate for us. So let's see what happens. Right on. So, well, obviously with the internet now, everybody's going to find out probably about the same time you do, it seems like. so. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Well, Bruce, uh, how soon will this be shared? With within the next few days. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Uh, so then we can do a... A quick, uh, you can do a follow-up of the any potential gigs, of course, for, for, for Bruce and Bob and Brent and Todd, and then, of course, what happened in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, any type of news that we can attach to sharing anything we do, <laughs> we, we'll throw it out there. You know, right. uh, Your interview with us, uh, um, the initial one a few years back, mm-hmm. is, I think, our most heavily streamed and downloaded oh, episode. Okay. So uh, anytime like, we... we Dabble on. We we're, all, we're both Kiss fans, but we don't specific. Right. Um, anytime we do venture in there, we see a spike in numbers. Yeah, cool. Uh, the nerds come out sure, and sure, uh, sure. support it, but uh, we 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 love the, the. I know the Kiss fans are just you know desperate for information. Double edged sword sometimes, huh? Yeah. Well, I will mention <laughs> since we're doing this on the last day of 2017. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even though you're going to share it at the top of 2018, I want to wish everyone, of course, a, a wonderful. Uh, new year and may all your dreams and, and wishes come true and just know that i i'm hoping i'm very blessed i've had a wonderful year i'm hoping to do a lot more of the same mm-hmm. all the exciting things i did in 17 from uh offering a, a guitar model on, on a limited basis to uh, a cruise to um, uh, going back to uh, scandinavia to performing with my wife to recording with my wife to uh, hopefully doing a lot of the same new music from me doing more sessions, you know, more of the same, more exciting grand funk gigs. Cause that's been 
keeping me very busy on the road. I got a lot of frequent flyer miles. Thank you, Delta <laughs> American Airlines. Um, you know, um, and I hope I, I do hope that the Kiss fans uh, um, will continue that 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 nostalgic love of uh, the non-makeup era because believe me, it fuels me. I love it. Uh, it's amazing. I, I, I see new pictures every week. Some fan. I met you backstage. Look at the picture. I finally scanned it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. nowadays you can take a pretty good picture with your phone. No kidding. You know, so uh, all that, I, you know, and I just want to wrap it up saying thank you to all of them because if I, if I only knew back then how important it would be over 30 years later, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been able to leave my house. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 